here we are. Augustine, my good friend, thank you for coming. This is incredible. <laughs> this is great. This is great. We were at a holiday gathering with our good friends, and we were talking, diving in. I was talking to you about your podcast and just catching up, and I was like, you know what would be a good first episode of the year? You. That's nice. <laughs> you told me, do you want to be in a podcast? <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, what you say, like the OG of podcasts? Like, uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, sure. You're the OG of podcasts in our friend group, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so you have your own podcast, and I'm going to do my best because I've, I don't speak Spanish. I speak more Turkish than Spanish. <laughs> uh, but it's Curiosidad Scientifica. Yeah. And uh, you go ahead and say it. So it's, it's <laughs> You better. nailed it. Curiosidad Scientifica podcast. Sounds so much better when you yeah, say sexy it. sexy Latino, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what does that translate to in English? Uh, scientific curiosity. Boom. Uh, so for me, that hits home. Science is beautiful. The method, the scientific method, the process of science, the humbleness of it. I love how you have curiosity right in the name. It's all about exploring and understanding our world. And so it's it's awesome because when we got to know each other, uh, we've we're now great friends. You're like family to me. And I didn't know that you were doing this podcast until later. And I'm like, dude, of course we connect. Of course we click. And so it just, it means a lot, first off, your friendship. And second, your endeavor with your podcast. And I kind of want to start there and dive in on, um, you know, what made you start your podcast almost five years ago? Yes, almost five years ago. I believe my first episode was March 2019, so it's going to be five years in like three months. And first of all, thank you for the you know invitation. Uh, even though we're really, really good friends, not everybody's into this stuff. And, and every time, literally, like what you said, I remember in our backyard, I, I invite you to my house and we were having barbecue or something. And we just start nerding out about the science and this and cross-egg and I'm, I'm blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And suddenly, you know, we are really <laughs> nerdy guys. And then we ended up talking about, you know, a lot of things. And for some reason, I never, I don't know, I never passed my brain talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been doing this for so long and I have uh, books out there and whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, I literally started doing this because I always been a pretty nerdy guy. So literally the title of the podcast is, because of that, because I'm curious about the science. Because uh, even if you're a scientist, like uh, your career is being a full scientist, biologist, or whatever it is, it's that start with you wanting to know something, that curiosity on you. And for me, that I'm not a, a you know trained scientist, still I was curious enough to just go out and and look into papers and books and read and. And then I, at some point, you know so much about this, but you cannot just be in a barbecue and talk about, oh, let's talk about uh, quarks and, uh, and atoms and black holes, uh, black holes <laughs> to everybody <laughs> and try to explain how uh, freaking, you know, uh, 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 quantum physics work because they're going to be like, well, I was talking about, I don't know, those girls in the Instagram. <laughs> So, you know, football, it, uh, and football now we're talking or, about yeah. the origin of the universe. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, people need to know this, especially since I've been a really, really uh, a big fan of reading and uh, reading science and science fiction and fiction books. So I think that get you there. Like if you if you start like, because when I was a kid, it was like Star Wars was the big thing, and that's like space and science fiction uh, and spaceships and. Even my brother ended up being a pilot because of that. And I think those influencing in those years were the big thing. And then suddenly you discover that, oh, you're reading something that is pretty cool. This sounds beautiful. And then in, even in science fiction, like, oh, yeah, let's go with the warp drive. And it's like, can we actually bend the space? And you start having these questions and let's Google this. Well, Google now. When I was a kid, it was like Britannica, uh, uh, you know, encyclopedia or whatever. Right. But now it's pretty easy. And I remember, to be honest, still in high school, I was a little nerdy, but not that good in science per se. 
So I remember uh, going to college and uh, in the car, somebody said something in the radio about whatever galaxy. And even though like in school, you know that, oh yeah, there's a few galaxies. You Actually, I was shocked like, oh, actually, yeah, there is a lot of galaxies. It's not just the Milky Way and whatever. And from that point on, I remember I got a book from, it was called uh, Journey of the Universe. I think uh, it was two writers, uh, Evelyn Tucker and I don't remember the other guy it was like Thomas or something Thomas, whatever. And that was a book that explained everything about like from the point that the Big Bang all the way to how the stars are created and the planets and things like that and how the forces works. And I remember because right now when I do my episodes, uh, I talk about like the, you know, like the age of the universe. And it's like everybody's saying 13.8, 14 billion years. And in that book, it says uh, 13.7. So that was a pretty old book. So, you know, like from that point to being really into it, I I decided like, well, there's a lot of programs and shows about science, like the great Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye and all these guys, but there is not a lot in Spanish. So Spanish people need to know this stuff because usually, you know, most... Spanish and maybe center, uh, well, even in everywhere, but most Latinos, you don't see that many Latinos. Today it's more common to see many more uh, experts in certain things, but usually in the States, how many, you know, compared with, you know, like like more American or North American, I should say, uh, people that are more professional than the opportunities that, you know, in countries like my country in, in Puerto Rico have, you know, yeah. so because, you know, it is not that catchy, you know, the science than talk about science like in other countries. Like even Mexico's way better than Puerto Ricans talking about science. Chile's great for astronomy, but Puerto Ricans are, it, that culture is really, really small. So it's awesome. So I'm going to clarify because, and you kind of alluded to it, that your podcast is specifically targeting Spanish speakers, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's in Spanish for the most part. You've interviewed some in some English, but ultimately you're targeting people who need it kind of most, you know, where it's like there's this void and I'm going to fill it because I'm curious and I want to pass that curiosity down. It's it's kind of yes. like the Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson yes. philosophy and that's that's admirable because you could you you're obviously speaking English to me now. Yeah. And you could do it in English and probably have a bigger viewership, but you're specific to wanting to uh connect with the people who need it. And that's the way that things blow up in other countries or in a country that not in a country. Is Puerto Rico a well, it, it's a country, it's a but we're just territory of the uh, United right. States, but it's a country. Uh, Puerto Ricans are from Puerto Rico, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but uh, but part yeah, of the US. we're part of the U.S. It's it's interesting. It's like thing. if you talk about Philippines, right? Yeah, you know, Philippines. Yeah, it's a country, but it's you know, yeah. But it it's it's really admirable what you're you know what you're doing in general talking about science because that in itself needs more attention. It's it's so interesting the lack of focus on the the beauty the elegance and the power of the scientific method and what's going on in science. And I think priorities could use a little shifting when it comes to that because it's the reason why our computers are working right now and these microphones are picking up our voices going into other people's headphones. It's the reason why these lights are on, et cetera, is the scientific method Mm -hmm. and understanding how the world works. And so it's just, um, it's great what you're doing in that regard, just talking about science, but then bringing it again to a demographic that could use it the most. That's the way that those things get sparked in areas of the world or in people who need it most. It's very powerful. And I know you have a wonderful following. You have such a, a diverse amount of guests within the scientific yeah. community on. I know right off the bat, I want to talk to you about you got to interview Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I've been following him for a long time. And he's like our new Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan's my hero. If I could have interviewed him, that would be my dream. He's my he's my one of my top heroes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um and and Neil deGrasse Tyson actually met Carl Sagan when he was a child and got inspired by him and stuff. And he's definitely carrying that torch. 
So I want to know, what was it like interviewing someone of that caliber? And uh, I've obviously watched the interview and you did great. And I'm like, whoa, there you are, Augustine, interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson. How cool is that? What was that like? Well, first of all, I have to say thank you to uh, Ruben Ahmed. He was uh, my partner with that. But one day, like it was like a Saturday or something at night, like 11, and he texts me, hey, uh, for your show, uh, uh, he's my associate, so uh, for your show, uh, do you want to interview Neil deGrasse Tyson? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, if I want to interview Neil deGrasse Tyson? Is that a question? Is that even a question? I was like, okay, Lena, I'm going to send the emails, whatever, blah, blah. And I was like, sure, let's go. And literally next day, like a Sunday, uh, the the uh, whatever manager, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, like, oh, yeah, he said, yes, just send like the info, like the, you know, like, so I sent all my info out, the place I have, you know, how many people play the show. So it's not a bullshit show or whatever. So it's a real show with real people playing and whatever. So they like the numbers and they say like, well, yeah, you're doing good. Uh, what about Thursday? And that was Sunday. And wow. We're like, what? <laughs> this week, Thursday? Oh, my God. Uh, so, but the main thing because of that is because I, I believe Neil is part of the um, the board on the NSF, the National Science Foundation. So I think like every time they gonna decide to do something about, big about science, like if we need to uh, put money into this new program, we don't have that much money. Sadly, the government don't give that much money for the science uh, and all the resources uh, and STEM programs. So most of the money goes to the military. So the little money that the science get, it have to be split between everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide what, uh, um, you know, what uh, experiments or, or things you're doing that you have to cut so you can create this new program. So there was a, a observatory, the biggest observatory in the planet until uh, China, like three years ago, they, they did a, a new observatory, but still it's not better than the one we have because that observatory, a radio observatory they have in there, uh, you only can receive like radio waves. So it's a big plate, so they receive a lot of it, but they cannot talk back. Or observatory, you could send a uh, voice back, you know, like like, like uh, radiation back to just hit something like kind of like what the bats do, like kind of resonance. So you can, and we found most of the asteroids that we find is because of that. But the thing is like when they stop giving that money to that uh, observatory, uh, it just got damaged, damaged, and damaged. And in, two, in 2020, the observatory just collapsed. So it was a really sad story. And literally, you were talking about Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan and Drake, those two scientists, were the ones who actually started this project because they were trying to find life outside the planet, outside the, you know, our planet. So literally, Carl Sagan was one of the big stones to create that observatory in Arecibo in Puerto Rico. So because of that, we wanted to talk about that, like what happened and how did it work? And because you, you listen to the uh, show, so it's kind of true there. So that was the reason. And when we sent him that reason, he said, yes, I really wanted to talk about this. So awesome. we have like two days into pre-production. We look for images. Like if you see a, the thing in YouTube, you will see that we have images about like the radiation, uh, uh, um, a spectrum, um, all the videos of the satellites falling and all that um, observatory falling. So um, it was like two days that pre-production until morning, um, all the questions. And we looked for a little bit of history and we got together a few times for meetings. Um, when it happens, we were so nervous. Oh, I can't imagine. It, I, I don't know if it happens to you guys already, but believe me, it's going to be the point when you do a lot of podcasts that you're gonna remember to hit record or you hit record and suddenly something happened that you lose that episode so we were so scared like man what if we cannot record this this is not gonna happen again and a lot of questions about that and um, by the time that he shows up that suddenly whoop, he's in the screen we're like I, I was literally like a little bit of shaking under my my <laughs> desk uh -huh. um I even bought like a new camera just to look good. <laughs> I don't blame so, you. Yeah. I feel so, I feel those nerves like this episode. Like I keep 
just checking my computer. Uh-huh. I keep checking <laughs> over there on Jordan. Hey, we good? I don't want to lose this. This is yeah. precious. And that's the thing. Like, I know a lot of physics, but uh, this is the Carl Sagan of my time. You know? Yeah. So, uh, man, like in two minutes, that he just was just like, no, 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 call me Neil. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, of course. I was like, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Tyson decided, no, 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 call me Neil. And then, like, in the first 10 minutes, he just started like, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you for remembering me that. And then like, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you for remembering me that. Oh, man, guys, you're good at this. And, I, and then at that point, you're like, oh, God, we're doing it good. I don't a good know. job. Good I job. Know. We're doing a good job. <laughs> I'm not a dumb. <laughs> how exciting, though. I mean, how meaningful. And, and I know that you've had lots of other scientists and oh, yeah. renowned you know, people on. So it's just, it's incredible what you can build and, and attract that. And it's awesome that Neil deGrasse Tyson, He's got a packed schedule. I can't imagine like looking at his Super. calendar and he fits you in and he you guys me. fit him in. And, th- and he appreciated that just as much as you appreciated him. Oh, Because yeah. you can tell he's a humble guy and he appreciates his time wherever he's at. And, and I, I respect that a lot. And so I, I encourage everybody to obviously we'll have your show, your podcast mm-hmm. in our show notes and they can they can search that one in For particular. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I I imagine that that was one of your pivotal moments where you're like, wow, how legitimate of an operation have we created here? Yeah, um, this is real. I mean, sure, I'm sure it's real before that, but yeah, it got but really I know real. exactly what you mean. Yeah, like when uh, somebody that big validates you, even though you don't need validation from nobody. But I mean, it feels good when somebody tells you, oh, you're doing a good job." Yeah. And, he did so it was amazing yeah well that's awesome man i mean when you told me that i was like no way <laughs> um but uh and it was really cool to watch that interview it was really you did cool. a great job and it was super interesting and it was very like specific to talking about mm-hmm. that observatory and so super informative so we talked about a highlight right i like to talk about adversity so now that we've been up Hi, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the podcaster's journey and your journey, you're published too. You're a published author. I'm sure there's lots of difficulty in writing. I oh, understand God. that. I'm, I'm going to be working on a book eventually, but uh, got plenty of other stuff in the way. But I want to know what's maybe one of the biggest setbacks during your podcasting journey where it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can like get past this or, you know, and, and maybe talk about that and how you got through that. Because I the big thing here, just like our podcast here, every uh, first and third Wednesday of the month, we're putting out an episode and we're going to have a guest on it and we're not going to stop that consistency. But it's also hard to keep going. Um, so, you know, is there any time where you didn't think you could keep that consistency up? Because you do it more. You do once a week, right? I do once a week. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Sometimes I, I, I bring a couple episodes, but usually I, it's every Monday. Yeah. That's amazing. So what what would you say if you, you know, what's a, a, a setback that you faced and how'd you overcome that? How'd you get through it? Well, in everything, including writing, uh, but especially podcasts. And I even have a, a Patreon where people go and pay me to uh, read stories, like uh, two stories uh, a month too. I think the big issue is that at the beginning, you cannot forget why you start doing it. I didn't start doing this because I want to be rich with whatever. I start this because I really, really believe that education and just knowledge. I don't want everybody to be a physicist at all. But uh, if if I can create like um you know objective uh, uh, uh thinking like scientific thinking uh, uh, um you know that will change a lot of things because people is most people is today is doing most things just like out of their feelings and today with all the news and the media and, uh, and the cell phones and the instagrams and tiktoks everybody want to be that or this or that and nobody have patience and at least in, uh, things that i see that are more famous uh that they get like thousands and thousands of views is whatever is in our uh, road rage and things like that and then suddenly to answer your question uh, sometimes you see this, and I have a lot of friends already that they're in the media and they're pretty famous. Um, but they talk about like the Kardashian or the whatever or whatever the Bad Bunny artist, whatever. And 
you feel like, wow, I'm doing something really, really important. Meaningful. And I feel like meaningful. And you feel a lot of times like, why are you sacrificing time and hours? Because I don't talk about what I see a video of this singer jumping out of a whatever. I have to sit down and read and learn and look into papers and websites and go to the college, uh, uh, different college to publish papers and read and try to understand so I can explain it in a, in a video or a, or a podcast of 20, 30 minutes. But you spend hours reading and learning. Now that I've been like five years uh, pretty much into it, well, more than that, because I've been reading and learning uh, science and physics for a long time, but doing the podcast right now is easier to get to like some, uh, uh, you know, whatever I'm going to talk because everything is kind of connected. Like if I'm going to talk about like uh, string theory, I know why string theory is about, you know, we don't really have answers about the string theory, but I know it's because of, uh, because particle physics and uh, um, Einstein uh, uh, relativity cannot explain gravity. And 100% when it goes to a singularity in a black hole. So that's why they introduced the, you know, the, the string theory. But I have to actually grasp, because if you don't understand that, even if you have an idea what it is, if you don't really understand it, you cannot explain it. Yeah. Literally, you can read thousand books, but if you don't really understand it, that you can explain it in a way that I can tell you, well, this is how it is in a way that I can explain with a everyday object like yeah in your bed if you put a bowling ball and it's gonna make a hole in the in the sheet on the bed you know to look at it that way and then suddenly the first two years to me the first two years you see and you have 20 plays per episode but still I never quit but sometimes you think about why the sheet um, is somebody really care about this and then you remember that you're not doing this because you want to have a thousand plays. You're doing this because if one person played this, maybe that person won't change the world, but then maybe he will pass that to somebody else. And maybe in a hundred years, we have the new Einstein or Newton or whatever. So even if it's like one person and then like two years and something into the, into the show, I think that's when Neil deGrasse Tyson came in. But a little bit before that, um, I have people then start writing to me uh, uh, in my Instagram or whatever about like, hey man, I was about to quit college and then uh, 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 the professor was talking about me and I didn't knew that because of your podcast. Now I know that I can do like, like astrobiology. I didn't knew that we couldn't do biology in space. And I'm like, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, like now we probably have an astrobiologist in the future just because he hear my podcast and I was talking about astrobiology. How powerful it's, is that's that? That's really powerful. And then from that point, everything, even writing, because writing, people think, and a lot of people think, like, when you're going to do something, especially I know I have a musician next to me, you just don't get inspiration. You sometimes have to sit down and lose two hours, and then nothing come out. But you have to sit down. You really have to sit down. I have a lot of friends that they're like, well, yeah, I'm going to write my book and maybe this and that. It's like, well, if you want to write, you have to clock in. Yeah, you got to commit. You got to commit. You, uh, even if it's one day a week, you get there and you spend three hours and nothing comes out. All right, but you sit down. But sometimes in two hours that day, you write a freaking 4,000 words that day. And you're like, oh, God, I accomplished something. And that then give you that boost in your brain. And yes, I accomplished something. And you get excited. And suddenly when you realize that you have a book or story out there but yeah i think it's that is the moments that you think about what i'm doing this if i could be watching netflix or whatever who cares about this but people do care and with time will show yeah yeah it's clearly showing i mean how special is it that you're now getting feedback like that i mean you changed someone's life for sure oh there's a lot more of that but I mean, like, I remember that guy who told me, I didn't know it was like uh, astrobiology. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then after Neil deGrasse Tyson, then they called me to go to the TV uh, uh, and television. So because of that, too. So, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Real quick, who, who would be your next person that you'd want to uh, interview? I saw in our gift exchange, you had put Brian Green's books and got a couple of his. Well, who's 
Who's next on your dream list? Oh God, I would love uh, to have Brian Green. Actually, I I actually just finished like three weeks ago uh, his book about uh, uh, the elegant universe. I would love to have him on the show. All right, Brian, if you're listening, talk to Augustine, please, <laughs> and then you can come on this podcast as well. <laughs> please. Yeah, I'd love to have more, you know, science-based, you know, entities, figures uh, within, you know, our show. That's actually one of the four target demographics that we're trying to target with the business, you know, is science-based and education because that's what I care about. It's meaningful. It's meaningful work. And, uh, you know, I mean, speaking of that, for this interview, I prepped. I know you, but I still did a little prep. You know, but nothing like, okay, I got to really learn this nuance of string theory in order to properly have a discussion with this physicist. It's a different level of commitment that you're you're diving into. One thing that um, I noticed with like one of the first podcasts that I ever produced, um, I was I was talking to people about climate change denial and and this and talking to scientists or a former meteorologist researchers about it. And I thought, wow. These are powerful conversations. And when I put it out, when I press publish, I'm like, these are important and world changing. And then, you know, like 30 people listen to it. I'm like, really? <laughs> and, you know, obviously you have to break through the noise and it takes time. And that's the thing about takes consistency time. and not stopping. And those are still out there on YouTube. Uh, it's called the belief books. But man, um, does it take commitment? So it's great. It, it's also that feedback, and now knowing that you can get a Neil deGrasse Tyson on, Brian Green, I'm sure, is next on uh, coming Hopefully on, is. you know? So it's like that gives you some fuel, is reassurance that, hey, what I'm doing works. It is connecting with people. But sometimes, like being a business owner or this podcaster or a musician, you are working alone in like a silo, in silence, without that immediate feedback. There's not that immediate gratification or reassurance that, hey, what you're doing is meaningful. You have to believe in what you're doing you truly to, to power through that, to know that in a year, someone might listen to this podcast and and stay in college because of it. There's something really special about that because you, you, you believe in what you're doing, you know it's meaningful, and you don't stop. And uh, I mean, I know that you, your character, I know because of our friendship mm -hmm. and- and, you know, I know that that's the kind of personality that you have. And I just wanted to kind of like illustrate it fully for our listeners. But it's very meaningful. That's actually the story of science, too. I mean, it's the story of art as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many artists pass away and then their art sells for a million dollars or whatever. Then they're appreciated. Same with scientific advancements. We're doing this experiment and it might not be put into practice into an iPhone or a microphone or whatever, a light, until I'm well gone. Mm -hmm. But I contributed to that greater good. And there's a lot of meaning to that. There's also a lot of integrity and belief in what I'm doing is purposeful and meaningful. And I'm pushing humanity and society in a forward direction. And, I mean, that's the power of science. And the people behind it, they just, I don't know, for me... I find myself consistently frustrated because you were talking about all the noise out there, you know. I mean, and there's entertainment is fantastic. I produce things. I want to work on films mm -hmm. and and do fun stuff and entertainment. But I think there's a need to refocus and shift our priorities a bit to like really appreciate science and the people who push humanity forward truly. I don't know how you feel about that or if that frustrates you as well obviously you're in that realm but but uh, um to me in these years i've been doing this i noticed like or maybe it's because i've been really involved in it now but i noticed that there is more science and people talking about science and try to look smart and i think that's a good thing that i thought before i start this show cool. and, and then suddenly you connect with people that then in, out of nowhere because that's the thing it is a uh, huge thing to have like Neil deGrasse Tyson and maybe a Brian Greene or, or, or all of these big guys but then you notice like you get love and and opportunities with people that are actually Latinos like from Spain I have people from Spain that just contact me and I've been in, in their show and things like that scientists engineering uh, from Chile 
then suddenly, oh yeah, I have interviews with a lot of uh, uh, physicists and astrophysicists and astronomers from Chile, and then Mexico, there's a huge group of people from Mexico that are doing great things, astrophysicists from Mexico, I, and then suddenly, oh yeah, I interview an engineer from NASA, and he's, oh yeah, he's Puerto Rican. It's like, oh God, we have an engineer Puerto Rican that I just have in my show, and then suddenly I have a particle physicist that is another Puerto Rican, and then you ended up noting, you know, you, you see that, okay, then you're not alone in this stuff. And believe me, I love to sit down and watch Netflix and look into the Instagram and watch, you know, like, I don't know, UFC or, or the cooking with Omi or whatever. But uh, still, I believe it's more about like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is important too, you know. And at the beginning, it frustrated me. But uh, when, when those first two years, you have like 20 plays, but then suddenly something just clicked. Even after uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I still have like, 300, 600 ep uh, plays per episode. And now it's different. It's like 6,000, 7,000 plays per episode. And then suddenly you talk with anybody back in the island. Like, yeah, 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 that's the guy from the Curiosidad Scientifica. Or, oh, yeah, that's the guy from whatever. And then you kind of get into, oh, wow, so people actually are listening. And to me, it is a little frustrated, all the noise out there. But uh, I believe it's just to realize that, oh yeah, I'm doing it. And there is these other people, these people in Spain, these people in, in, in other countries that speak Spanish, Argentina, that they're really great doing this too. And you notice like, well, there is still people doing it. There is still people putting this information out there. There's still people caring about teaching the science. And even that was one of the reasons I, I signed up with uh, the NASA program. It was because they will give me even more um, things that you didn't at least I didn't know when I started doing the podcast. And then suddenly you connect with more people and they told you, yeah, yeah, there's a program like a NASA solar system ambassador that you can sign up and see if they uh, hire you. And uh, you can just go to the schools and do uh, talks about this, about the, the space programs and all that. And the beautiful thing about that is um, you don't know how powerful that is until you do your first talk and suddenly oh, wow, the room was full and full of people from 80, 90 years old, really older people, and then college kids and younger high school kids, and, and you're impressed, like, oh, wow, these people care about, I'm talking about the James Webb? Oh, my God, that's kind of impressive. And you, most people believe, like, ah, old people, they don't know, and they are really, you know, whatever belief, their own belief, and no, actually, even this older people uh, and people my age, your age, um, you can get knowledge at, it doesn't matter what age, and you can have that haha -ha moment, and then suddenly you go to your grandkids and tell them, like, ah, do you know about that uh, James Webb Space Telescope that is out there? Oh, that is a space telescope? Yeah, yeah, there is telescopes in space, and they're doing this for over 40 years, 50 years, and it works, you know, and sometimes it feels frustrating, when you begin, because I think the problem with humans is that, is that we want results now. Yeah. And, and especially in podcasting, because you're doing it right now, there is patience. You have to just keep going. And suddenly it could be like three, four years that maybe you have over 100 plays, but then suddenly one day you're going to have one episode that, oh, wow, that hits a uh, thousand plays. No, that's cool and go back to two, 300, then goes back to, oh, wow, this got 2,000. Oh, another 2,000. Uh, another 2,000. Oh, God, 5,000. Wow, people might probably like this. Wow. And suddenly you're up there, and people will text you. If you don't come out with the episode, the days that you release it, they will text you, ah, oh, dude, I was waiting for your episode. Oh, dude, uh, whatever. Um, so people are craving your people content People are craving now. your content. Yeah, that's but awesome. But you have to keep going. Yeah. You just have to be aware that this is important. I told you, when you start your uh, podcast, I listened to at least the first three episodes. And well, since episode one, I text you like, dude, I love this conversation you have. Uh, it feels really nice. Yeah, your voice is like calm and patient. Uh, I like it. And then episode over episode like like the feel good uh, uh episode the other band episode uh that then they ended up playing then the 
European Tiger episode that I was here live. I enjoy it because it's just like, I don't know, like you will appreciate people talking about their own experiences. And at the same time, you can connect like, oh, so I'm not the only person that goes through this. Yeah. And another thing is like, then suddenly people will start sending you uh, a videos of, I don't know, like uh, a metal band. And you're like, wow, why is he sending me a video of a metal band? Because ah, they become a really, really big group of people that love what you do and they know you better than you know you. It's like, ah, they know that you like coffee. They know that you like whiskey. They know that you like metal rock. They know they know everything about you. And then you will create this community. And it, that's the crazy part. Like the community of people that that will be there for you and and pretty much every episode you have somebody saying like hey dude uh, they, this was great or whatever uh, oh wow I didn't knew that or or engineering's the the other day I record an episode with a a, a, a engineering that he does uh, does uh, turbines so that was an episode that I was like well maybe not everybody like turbines or don't understand it but then you hear a lot of people saying oh my god I didn't knew that that is so specific and the measurements and the, and the heat and the quality of the of the engines and everything can go wrong oh, yeah. everything can come wrong totally and well, that's for some reason it works Hi, I'm Miles Sales, and I appreciate Josh Neiman for coming into our school and teaching us about podcasting and podcasting production. I feel that there's a strong importance on real-world experiences in the classroom, and having an expert come in and teach us behind the scenes was not only a fun, but informative and intriguing lesson. I've always loved podcasts, and I've been interested in the production of podcasting, so I'm incredibly grateful for the experience I was given and the opportunity to learn more about the space I want to get myself involved with. So thank you again, Josh Neiman. So first off, you know, we have a smaller listenership. We it's it's pretty cool the community that we have, but you've always been a supporter from day one. It's always cool like you're looking forward to our episodes. Oh, it's uh, really yeah. neat. Um and it means a lot. And so I appreciate that, especially coming from like a seasoned podcaster. You understand the 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 effort that it takes. Mm -hmm. Um but going to what you just said, uh, with like you didn't, you know, the, the the person who you interviewed about turbines that's kind of like the beauty of what you're like realm you're in with with science I feel this way about all my guests like this conversation we're able to like peel back the onion on like cool stuff that we didn't even think about before and in the science realm I mean you could press play on any of your episodes oh, yeah. and your brain is just like whoa yeah it's open that's a beauty of science. You could talk about anything. You mentioned bats before, and uh, I read one of Richard Dawkins' uh, books, uh, The Blind Watchmaker, and he talked about bats and that, and I learned some stuff in that where it's just like, whoa, I didn't know that, and it sticks with you, and now you know the world better. How powerful is that? It is super powerful. Knowledge is huge power. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So, uh, speaking of scientific advancements and, uh, and, and how incredible it is, didn't know. Right now, what's the thing that you're most interested in within the scientific realm? Is there an advancement that's happening that you're just like, whoa, or um, a discovery that has recently been made or is about to be made? Yes, there is a few things that actually uh, happened really recently. Uh, there is a probe. It's called Parker Probe. It is crazy to think. Well, there is crazy to think about a lot of things. Man, we have uh, rovers in, in, in Mars for over 30 years. And we have like a few of them now. And literally we can see another planet. Think about it. Think about it for a second. We're here, right? We're standing here. Imagine that there is another thing floating in space thousands of millions of miles away. And we have something that we send, that we create engineering that didn't exist that we calculate because of uh, Einstein relativity and e even though uh, Newton's relativity of how gravity attraction works, movement, and we notice like, well, that planet's a little smaller, so maybe have less gravity on it. And then suddenly we figure it out with math, math that actually Newton had to invent because it didn't exist. A guy that just invented this, and it works, always freaking works. And then suddenly, we sent a few rovers there, but then we realized, like, well, we need a bigger one. 
But the problem is like that planet is smaller, so they have a smaller gravity, but because of that, it have less uh, air uh, on the planet because it, it escaped. And the core of the planet is cold already, so it doesn't have an electromagnetic field. So the atmosphere and the electromagnetic field doesn't really exist. So you have to find a way to stop that rover to just crash into there. So you have to invent something, not just, you already have the rover, fine. This took 13, 15 years to create engineering that didn't exist before. And now it's like, ah, how are we going to park that thing in there? Ah, maybe we can use like a, a crane. Ah, come on, a crane. What do you mean a crane? How are we going to have a crane up there? Well, we, maybe we can have a crane and just like lose a little bit like the rover just in there. But how are you going to hold that? Ah, maybe a crane with some uh, uh, turbines, uh, you know, like floating the, in there. So we, we calculate, create, send equipment that, and it's the second rover that is big enough that you need to put extra stuff just because the ones before they were so small that you just throw it inside a ball and then click, 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 and bounce around and then open and uh, there you have it. No, this one you cannot just crash into the planet. And we have, we have equipment in another planet. Think about it, another planet that we know everything just because observation from this planet. No human has been there. And we do this. And not just that, we put an helicopter on that rover that is flying and it's in his hundred and something fly on that planet. So we already fly in the planet, a planet that barely have particles to hold like in here. You know why like in the movies you see the helicopter that can go over that mountain? Because it's less dense, the, the, the air in there, because there's less particles to hold. That, that's the same thing. So we do this. That's amazing. And this just happened like two years ago or something like that. Then a year ago, we have a telescope because the human eye can only see like, uh, like, like um, visible light. But it's a range, huge range of light. And probably you know that because you're working, you know, uh, uh, creating websites and probably work with colors and the spectrum of colors and things like that. So that's where the spectrum of colors comes, you know, like from the ultraviolet, gamma array, blah, 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 X-ray, uh, visible light and, and then radio and infrared. But there is a light that is the light that everything that have particles on it emits, and it's the infrared light. So we were like, oh, yeah, we have a telescope that is great, Hubble, great telescope. We can see galaxies hundreds of thousands of years away. But then suddenly we decide to create a telescope that actually looks with eyes into the infrared. So everything that have a temperature, we can see. And we, we literally just got one year Actually, in December, it was when it uh, uh, launched. So literally, the first images doesn't even have a year yet. Um, so we launched a telescope. That another beautiful thing is like to have a three-body problem. Three-body problem is like uh, to orbit three different bodies in space is kind of hard. So it was this guy, Lagrange, 100 years ago, <laughs> that he calculated like, well, these points, that according to where how massive is supposed to be the sun, how massive is the moon and the earth and whatever. And maybe there is a point around the orbit of the planet that we can put something there that it won't go away. Because we need to like kind of figure out <laughs> and calculate that that is stable in that zone. They calculate that and we put that telescope one million miles away from the earth that is orbiting there, that it have a shield to protect from the heat of the sun because it's an infrared, so everything that have a, a, a temperature will catch, so it will damage the images. We figure all that out, even better than that. When you think about that, even that telescope, we have beautiful, great telescope, but suddenly they say, we need something that is strong enough. Ah, go to iron. No, 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 no. We know science so much, and we know chemics so much, that in the periodic table, there is an element, baryon, that is like the fourth element, it's a really simple element, but that element that is simple is way stronger than iron. You have only four protons. Iron have like 26, so it's a heavy element. And we figured that out and we make, we make uh, um, glasses that are the size of the hair that we put in there so we can catch all the radiation we want and we figured that out. And right now, like two months, 
after this uh, uh, telescope was in space, we got to look into a galaxy that is 13.5 billion years away from us. So this is almost at the beginning of the universe. These are some of the first galaxies that exist. This is crazy. That's wild. So believe me, there's a lot of things that is crazy. This few years, we just create a spaceship that create a, we create a shield to protect from the sun because we just touched the sun. We have never touched the sun. This just happened. A Parker probe. Parker probe, literally, we created a spaceship that went into the atmosphere pretty much of the sun. We touched the freaking sun. We have never touched the sun. We created that. Wow. That, that awesome is the science and things that we're doing right now. I knew. It is crazy. I knew that this uh, <laughs> this question would get you going. If you could see him, if we had a video component of this podcast so for all of you, his hands are all over the place, and I'm sure Jordan's going to have to decrease the gain on this a little. Sorry. Got you going. No, it's fantastic. I knew it would. It's meaningful stuff, and it's awesome. That's the beauty of science. Like You talk about this stuff forever because it's fascinating. How in the heck are we doing that? It's wild. And there's some stuff that we've been doing for a while which is pretty incredible to know. Um, but uh, I love the perspective of like what you're hyped about right now because we also got caught up on uh, some of the newer newer things. Just like the snippet about us touching the sun is, uh, is quite incredible. There's a cool movie called Sunshine. I don't know if you've seen it, but the, the world uh, is gonna die if we don't kickstart the sun. And so they have a one-way trip and they have to kickstart the sun it's a really intense movie and the the audio the sound on that's incredible um well but uh, to look at it time flies because we are deep into this interview i look down at my timestamp i'm like holy moly i like to talk i'm sorry no no it's no apologies first off we could do whatever we want we could talk about this for a day i'll put out a 24-hour podcast if we have to but you know uh time is of the essence i want to respect your time um which I I just appreciate you coming in and uh, aliens, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to get to our rapid fire. Uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you say rapid fire in Spanish? Fuego rápido. All right, there it is. Um, and I have some questions. I have one special question that I want to ask, just particularly you. But these are questions that I ask all of our guests since you're one of our uh, our frequent listeners and a supporter, you kind of already know it's coming, which you you cheated. The rapid, not the rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fan of it. It's kind of funny. You like always laugh about it when we talk about it. But all right, so we're gonna start. You know what's coming. What is your biggest source of inspiration? Man, I should say, um, I really don't know exactly, um. If it's one thing, because I think it's uh, more than one thing in my life that happens, and then suddenly I just find this beautiful work, and then after you start knowing about this, that's the source of the inspiration. Like the best example I can tell you is when I got deep into talking a minute ago, I get excited to know this. The knowledge is just. God, of course I have to just keep going. So knowledge or like, uh, yeah, the, the the discoveries. The discovery, the curiosity about how things work, about why your shirt is the color it is, like have to do with particles and absorption of light. So it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Beautiful. Makes a lot of sense coming from you. All right. Specific to you. What is your favorite planet in our solar system? Our solar system? Man, I have to go with Saturn. Saturn, why? Well, best planet, planet Earth. I live here. <laughs> but it's Saturn. But it's because Saturn is the planet that have a, well, other than it's the most beautiful, if you look in through the window and you could just see it, which you can probably do with binoculars, you can see it. But um, the thing with Saturn is that it have a few moons that, well, Jupiter too, there is specifically one moon in there that is called Titan. That actually, that's one of the titles of one of my books. And in that moon, it have such a thick atmosphere that there is liquid flowing 
in the planet and mountains and hills and valleys and we actually uh, landed in there and we have pictures of that. The difference is like there is, it is no water, it's methane. So there's rivers of methane and the atmosphere is so thick that if you put like plastic wings, you can fly in there. So it is crazy, but that's the thing because people think about words or, you know, like, like a world or whatever and they think about a planet. And no, actually, you can have life in moons. The only reason there are moons is because, you know, they orbit a bigger body. But uh, literally, there is uh, one moon, like Europa, from uh, uh, Jupiter. That moon uh, is believed to have water all the way into the core. Like, it's a huge ocean. And you know what happens when there's water? There's life. Every place in the planet that we find water... Even if it is like really, really cold water or even hot water, there is life. So incredible. Yeah. So that's those sweet spots. We're in the Goldilocks zone, Goldilocks zone. for incredible life, but it doesn't mean that there are other Goldilocks type zones on a moon, you know, or satellite planet. Yeah. Because for... the thing with that is like um, the gravity that pulls those moons, like let's say like to Jupiter, that it, they have like that fight, uh, like pulling and pushing, it creates a uh, uh, temperature because it creates uh, uh, whatever, I forgot the word. Friction. Friction. Create friction and the friction turns into temperature. So inside that moon, like that one that I talked to you, the Europa moon, because of that friction and pulling and coming and tearing and pulling and pulling, the gravity, it creates friction and creates temperature. So it, it it's believed like the center of the planet is just water, like liquid water inside the shell of, of ice. That's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy universe out there. So speaking of the universe, what's your favorite book in the universe? Oh, God, that's so hard. I know, I know. You knew it was coming. I know it was coming. That's your so book. hard. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, my books. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. They're so hard to write. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, um, man, then I, I should say, like, the book that actually got me here. But uh, there's so many good books, like Misho Kaku, like uh, Physics of the Impossible, that you read that and you think, like, yeah, oh, science fiction. No, that's possible. You have uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. There is pretty, pretty simple understanding of, uh, of how it works. There is uh, Sean Carroll books. They're great. Uh, actually, you know what? There is this book from actually one particle physicist that I interviewed like twice already. Uh, it's called um, Questions of God. Anyway, their name is Daniel Weinstein and, and Jorge Chan. But it's uh, We Have No Idea. That's the name of the book. We Have No Idea. A Journey Through the... Uh, no, it's not journey or whatever. It, it's, we have no idea because they're, they're, uh, Jorge Chang is a cartoonist. So he have a lot of really good cartoons and things to explain the physics of it. <laughs> and then pretty much the book is about we have no idea explaining you what we know. And we don't know this. And this is what we know. So we don't know this. Uh, so I think that's a really, really good book to start in that marine, like science and physics. Cool. That's a good name. Mm -hmm. There's a great quote that that reminds me of that uh, once I heard it, I never forgot it. And I feel it's so hard as I move forward in my life and all sorts of ways. And it's the more you know, the more you don't know. The more you learn, you realize how much you don't know. And it's pretty wild, especially in the scientific community. There's always questions that will need answered. I quote that in my first book. My first book is a science book, science physics based, really basic book about science and physics and the concept. And the last page, the, I closed the book literally quoting, uh, my quote was, uh, it is so hard to know, to realize how little we know. Of course, in Spanish, it sounds different, but you got the idea. It's like, it's so hard to know, to realize how little we know. Yeah, right. It's, uh, but the more you learn, like for instance, about websites or for me, graphic design or like composition, the principles of design and art. Once, once you understand a grasp of like even simple principles, then it opens all of these doors oh, and black boxes so where you go, this simple thing. It's like a clique. And then, but you put it in all these contexts and now it changes. And now we're, we're on a tree that's branched out from this tiny concept. It's incredible. And the same with science, like a math. 
you discover math or a particular equation, and what do you do with that is in is the power. God, yeah. And it just opens the universe up. I have a professor, like when I graduated from uh, IT, I have a professor that, because I've been always really about charging uh, with whatever work I do, like how much I should charge for this. And I remember he said like, well, you don't charge for the job. Like if it's easy for you, it's easy for you. But you don't charge for the job, you charge for the knowledge because they don't know what to do. And I remember he uh, come with a story and he was saying, you know what, sometimes they call me because the system is, uh, is down. So I get there and I look and then I turn off the the switch and I go and grab a coffee and then go back and turn it on and that's it. But they don't know that. Right. So you charge for the noise. Totally. <laughs> All right. I I know kind of the musical realm you gravitate towards, but uh, what's your favorite musical artist or album? Well, right now, because it, it, it always changed because there is so much good music that I listen to. But right now there is this guy and I'm going to plug it because he's a Puerto Rican singer. It's called Lorna Shore. That's death metal. So have you listened to Lorna Shore? Uh, he, the, he, the singer is uh, uh, Will Ramos. Will Ramos, Puerto Rican guy. All right, cool. Uh, they're destroying out there. Like bands have to catch up to them. They're literally, I don't know, man, it's crazy what they're doing. Cool. Yeah, metal is a, a incredible realm. I we're, My drums are in the studio because we got practice later tonight. But I'm looking at it and thinking about myself playing metal. I'm like, I just don't even know where I'd start. I mean, I just, I've never even really attempted. And I grew up with really great friends playing metal. I just watched them. I go, how? Uh-huh. One of them is now playing for one of the top country artists. And I, I've seen him live several times. And I go, I I feel the metal in you. <laughs> you want to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> what about your favorite scientist? Oh, wow, man. I have to go to... Well, there is so much great scientists because I love uh, uh, particle physics. Um, it was this guy uh, way before Christ uh, in old Greek called Democrito. Uh, he talked about atoms. Wow. Back there, freaking over 2,000 years ago. And now we know the atoms are not the smaller piece of the world, but they were thinking about these things. But I have to go with Newton. So we didn't have the math. Yeah. This guy's just create something that well we have some math and geometry we were pretty good in that i think before and egypt and that but the algebra we didn't have that this guy just create something that revolutionized and i know everybody will think about einstein and this and that and i just explain a few things but this guy creates something that literally didn't exist it wasn't a concept about it wasn't you cannot just explain that if you don't put the numbers down it's unbelievable. It's so fascinating to think about that. It's weird because the math is there, ready to be discovered. It's God, there, yes. but it takes the the person and the mind and the curiosity to like connect to, oh, two plus two, like then there's four. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's super watered down, obviously, but uh-huh. it is it is quite incredible. It's it, But it's weird because it's right there in math that we haven't discovered particle physics or quantum the quantum realm the quantum and yeah. string theory is like it's there and we're just we're just tough to figure scooping it, out. it up and figuring it out but it's all figured out it's all it, it's in the out. universe the universe is working yeah because those laws or, or rules on thirds yeah it, it is working it's incredible we just need to find a way to explain it yeah and this guy was really good to it. yeah pretty good pretty pretty popular dude you're right <laughs> All right, last one on rapid fire. How do you define success? Wow, that's a question that every time I listen to your podcast, I think about it and I always switch a little bit my answer. <laughs> but I, I realize that success is um, when you start and finish something and you feel so good about it that you can actually do that forever. Even if you don't become rich or great or famous or whatever, literally the feeling about at least for me the feeling about sitting down and start writing even recording or that sense of oh i'm doing something that i like so i think maybe the shorter answer would be like when you're doing something that you really really like that you've been doing for six seven eight years and you actually feel like 
God, this still feels so good. When you find that, that thing that you feel so good doing, even if it's the same thing for years, that's success. You find what you make you happy. You still have to do other things, sadly, to <laughs> live. But when you go back to that thing that make you feel satisfied and eventually it will make you money or whatever you need, whatever. Yeah, I feel that very strongly. I don't do what I do because I don't like it. You know, oh, I yeah, chase the things like that it, I enjoy probably. using my time for. That's that's what it's all about. And everybody's answer is different to that. Um, you and I share several things and we get along so well because of that. Like, But uh, I resonate very strongly with that definition of success. So you win rapid fire. <laughs> now you, Everybody now you... wins. For... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> And maybe not Doug because he took so long on his answers. But other than that. <laughs> Doug is the second episode, right? Correct. That, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I remember you guys making fun yeah. of I just always poke fun at him. He's he's a good man, though. I love him. All right. Well, to conclude, just, uh, just a couple of things. Um, where is Augustine in five, ten years? What does your podcast look like? Man, I, uh, I'm i pretty sure because of what, what the answer I just did uh, about what makes you feel you know, accomplished and I know I'm not just that, like the NASA, the presentations I do when I go to schools uh, and and I see these kids getting excited about seeing images about space and things like that. And I know that changed at least a little bit. And if I can, you know, I know I can just keep doing that because I know I'm doing something. It was a little shady before because you, you don't know. That's the thing Like you will know that you just keep doing that because you like it, because you don't get paid for it for years. So you do this because you love it. Uh, and even though uh, I could get paid now and I get a little paid now for what I do, it, I cannot live with that. But still, I keep doing it because I love it. So I know I love this so much that I see my podcast just going and keep going. And the way it's been multiplying, uh, it will grow more. And the way I just keep writing, and I have four books out right now, uh, I will just do and keep doing that. And hopefully, maybe we'll see you promoting a, a picture, a movie, or something about one of the stories in the other books, in the science fiction books, or whatever. But I see me doing that, and specifically, just keep with NASA going to schools because I know this is really important and. It's something that I don't, I don't care. I don't get tired of just going out and, and share this, share the excitement of what we're doing. So yeah, I probably see me doing this and hopefully some uh, sponsors come in and I don't have to keep working. So I will do what I love for sure. So full time. Yeah. Oh, you'll get there. And sooner than later, I think. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to stand alongside you along all that, man. I will. Yeah, we'll share in that. <laughs> Okay, so last thing we leave people with is what is the best, biggest piece of advice you could leave someone listening, anybody listening? There is always time for everything because uh, we just get a little lazy. Sometimes you get out of work, and I know it's hard, and maybe you have a long shift or whatever it is, but it's just you just have to start doing something to change the way you think, even if it's like, I don't know, like waking up every day and I don't know, like um, getting your bed ready or waking up and, and or, or in the night, just get your kitchen clean or whatever. Do something that, it, that you will keep doing like every morning we brush your teeth and people don't think about it the same way. And then it's going to get to the point that you will be doing actually what you like. If it is like going on jogs, you know, jogging or uh, feeling better about yourself or reading or take that time to read because there is a lot of time. And I remember this older guy, this was years ago. I was getting into elevator and he was rushing a little bit, but he was a really older guy with a cane. So I just hold the door and he was like, oh, it's okay. You can, I take the other, next one. I was like, no, it's okay. So I wait, and then um, I say, like, uh, he says something that my answer was like, uh, yeah, life is short. And then he said, no, life is not short. We lose a lot of time on it. And there's a lot of time. Even if you work eight hours, 10 hours, it's 24-hour day. Even if you spend one hour and a half watching a movie and then an hour making dinner and then 
two hours with your kid, still it's like 9 p.m. Still you have time. And still, even if you sleep the eight hours and work eight hours, you have eight hours. So even if you dedicate one hour a week, not a day, and that's without counting the weekend or you have days off, that you will have 16 hours if you are removing the eight hours sleep. You always have time to do something. And if you like it, the only way to do this, start and sit down and clock in. And what I mean by clocking is not literally go and clock in, but if you like to read or, or write or, or, or feel, I don't know, even if it's like have time to watch a movie or a series, just take that time for you. It, you know, it is always time. There is always time. That's fantastic. Speaking of time, two things. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. For this. It means a lot. And your friendship means a lot. And I look forward to all the time we have together in the future. There's a lot of time to spend together and a lot of great moments ahead of us. And I look forward to all that, man. So I appreciate what you do very much. I look forward to supporting you. And I appreciate your support you. with all we're doing. It means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. You're great, man. <laughs> I love you. But you too. I love you too.